Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Hello and welcome to a brand spanking new and dare I say, preemptively anyway, a very much improved edition of So I Married a Movie Geek. What? I know. In case you're wondering, I'm Chrissy McQueen. Do tell about this improvement. Who are you? I'm me. What's your name? Justin. Do you have a last name or are you like Madonna? Justin. <laughs> do you like, With an like emphatic thumb up. Thumbs up. Yeah, kind of like it. Or what's that exercise where you're like, jumping Justin and everybody's got to jump and then you got to, you got to do crazy Chrissy and then. It sounds like a cross between a theater exercise and something we would do with the kids at my gym. You learn names that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Well, hey, Justin Winters. The reason that we think that this might be uh, improved, shall we say, on the previous fabulous model, is that this is going to be the abridged version. We were getting a little bit long-winded, shall we say. Or no, let me, let me rephrase that. I was getting a little bit long-winded. Yes. And sometimes, you know, I have the attention span of a goldfish. So we figured, let's get the good parts. <laughs> okay. Good start. So let's go right into it. We watch movies. We do watch movies. He's the geek. I'm married to him. That's the premise. What did we watch this week, Chrissy? We saw uh, two very newsy sort of films, which... I assume you picked because uh, I majored in journalism and you majored in journalism and therefore we have a shared love of this whole journalism thing. Sure. Or just because you like movies. (laughs) Or just because you wanted to watch both of them. There you go. Yes. We have Morning Glory starring Rachel McAdams, Harrison Ford, and Diane Keaton. And uh, an older movie. We got Broadcast News with Holly Hunter and William Hurt and um, What's-His-Face with the Fro. Albert Brooks. There you go. I really like Albert Brooks, too, so it's a shame that his name escaped me. But there you go. All right. So let's go with Morning Glory first. Yes. What a title. Right? (laughs) Right? It's like, what could this movie say about itself in its title? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Is that like a yoga move? It is. Is it? No, I'm just, you know, guessing. It's a coffee it, it could be. Why not? Brand? It could be anything. Okay. It's a flower, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. All right. Back to the movie. Morning Glory. Morning Glory. I'm going to go ahead and put this out here. I think that if you've seen the trailer, you've kind of seen the movie. Or if you've seen Devil Wears Prada, you've kind of seen the movie. That's true. And there was something else, too, where I was like, this is just like that other movie. So... I feel like I've seen this already. But, altogether, not bad. No, not bad. I agree with you. It, it seems like we're not giving it a, a fair shake it was, to say that. It was like a solid cup of morning glory. Dare I ask <laughs> what this morning glory that you have in the morning is? <laughs> Don't, no, I mean, it was... 
It was serviceable, probably. That's the best way I could say it. It was what? Serviceable. Oh, serviceable. Here's Okay, here's what it had going for it. Okay. Beyond anything else. Bullet points. Bullet points. Bullet point one, Rachel mm-hmm. McAdams. She's great in everything. Yeah. I mean, imagine someone else, not her, in this role. And you're like, that could have gone wrong. Yeah. Like, they could have gone wrong with the casting. Because... It's it's definitely uh, you know a character that has to you know excel on her personality pretty much. And not only that, but let's say um, I'm just going to put this out here because she's a hot actress at the moment. You could putting stop putting things out here. Why not? I like. I, pu- I know it's it's my thing tonight. I go through phrases. Bullet point. Bullet point. Okay. If they had given this role to the very talented Natalie Portman, it would have come off as... Pregnant. Yes, but that's not what I was going for. I was going for uh, trying too hard, maybe, where it would have seemed forced. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. She just... I don't think she has that innate, peppy, and bubbly quality that Rachel McAdams has. Yeah. Or at least can convey for the sake of a character. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the fact that she's p- playing the executive producer of a, not the one of the main networks, I guess, even though the network is called IBS. <laughs> I it's just know. the Bowles and your own yes. network. Um, I'm sure that was double entendre. 28 years yes. old as an EP, that's pretty impressive. I don't but, think you really see that a lot. I think that's almost unheard of, actually, because she's not just... A 28-year-old EP of a show. She's a 28-year-old executive producer of a network show on morning television. But, I mean, when the person that hires you is Jeff Goldblum, you pretty much assume that Jeff Goldblum's going to go after the the nice-looking ladies for that job. I'm just going to go ahead and say, sure, that seems entirely feasible. Okay. I'll say I'll say this. Yes. Jeff Goldblum has a good taste in ladies. What makes you say that? Because I think that he might have hit on Chrissy before. <laughs> Maybe he'd invited her to a piano playing of his. Maybe he might have invited this wonderful girl that apparently you know named Chrissy. Wow, that might be me, actually. Might have invited her slash me to sing with him. Maybe this guy who might be the husband of this woman who got invited by Jeff Goldblum said, what? Why are you here? You should be there right now. All right, yeah. Go, go, go. No, it's true. Justin was very supportive over my relationship with Jeff Goldblum. Anyway. Very brief one we had. Back to the movie. Yeah, back to the movie. What did you like about it? After bullet point Rachel McAdams. Bullet point Rachel McAdams. Okay, so we agree is both, you know. Probably the best part about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second bullet point, the the plot in that Rachel, or her character, uh, really had her work cut out for her. She had a really, how do I put this? She had a piece of work in Harrison Ford, who plays one of the main co-anchors on Daybreak. Piece of work? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't it, it, and it, That's no slight against uh, his intelligence or his capabilities, because... Uh, He's got that in spades, but boy, what a piece of work he was. He was the grumpy old man of broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he needed to be molded into something slightly more 
soft, doughy. No, I know the word I'm looking for. Fluffy. <laughs> Pun on the movie. But, you know, he just wasn't interested until the very uh, end when he finally, you know, rallied. I don't think I'm really giving it anything away to say that. If you've seen the trailer, you kind of know that that has to happen. No, I agree. The first hour of the movie, Harrison Ford basically looked like he needed to take a really good crap. Yeah! And that he just couldn't. And then Rachel McAdams with her, like, she was like the Tinkerbell of morning news. Just like... Opened up his heart, you know? But here's what kills me, is that everybody calls her adorable. Uh-huh. To her face. Uh-huh. Oh, that's just adorable. Or you think you can make that work? How adorable. You're just so adorable. And I'm thinking, whether or not she's adorable or they are actually being patronizing, she's still your executive producer. You probably shouldn't call her adorable to her face. Nice job, ugly. Have you... <laughs> I don't think that works either. But have you ever called an executive so producer grotesque. adorable? Huh? Have you ever called an executive producer adorable? No. Okay. Called them way worse than that. To their face? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I've never had a 28-year-old Rachel McAdams as my executive producer. Okay, imagine if Rachel McAdams was your executive producer. <sighs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, we're going to put... The weather guy in a skydiving suit and, you know, shoot him out of a cannon and then we're going to go and make frittatas and and it's just going to be this great day and we're going to do fun things. All right, who's with me? Me, Rachel McAdams, me. That's a reaction? Yes. <laughs> Even if, if it's, it's coming out of, you know, someone as attractive as that, those words are just like butter to me. But it doesn't, it doesn't come across as, mm, I don't know, too much? I mean, let's face it, these people are getting up at 2 in the morning to be at the studio at 3 in the morning, and they're probably tired and cranky. Well, I mean, when you're in the the business of getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to go to work, you're pretty much relying on lots and lots of espressos and coffees. Yes, but how would you feel about a bright, happy, peppy person in your face? Sure. I guess it's better than... <laughs> Grumpy old Harrison Ford. All the Who time. called her a cretin, by the way. Everyone else called her adorable and he called her a cretin. Whatever. Harrison Ford should just get over it. Harrison Ford got old, yo. He did get old. What happened? Was I sleeping? Time. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he doesn't have a time machine yet. I just, he hasn't found it. I just feel like I was sleeping and then one day I woke up and I was like, hey, let's watch this movie. It's called Morning Glory. And who is the old man? That's Harrison Ford, for real? Well, I think this is the best role he's had in a long time. I mean... What other roles has he had in a long uh, time? Don't make me talk about the last Indiana Jones. Uh, We don't have to. You'll eventually see it, but... I am? Do I have to? It made me very, very sad. I don't blame you. It made me, like, like Harrison Ford at the beginning of this movie, sad and angry. Like, at at Morning Glory? At the world. Yeah, in this movie, you know how, like... Yeah, oh, like, he's really upset, and it made you that level of upset? Rachel McAdams, no. Yeah, I was angry. Can we discuss about uh, Diane Keaton for a second? I feel like she was woefully underused. I did. I think her character was just kind of left on the cutting room floor. 
Yeah. She has a lot more abilities that she should have shown. I don't know. And plus she has an, a rapport already established with Rachel McAdams because they have the family stone in uh, their mutual past. I thought you were going to say a rapport with me from our Barnes & Noble meetup. You mean that one time when you and I were in Barnes & Noble and you were like, Chrissy, Chrissy, it's tanky. And I looked around and I was like, are you sure? Because I know a woman who looks exactly like her. I've met her a few times, and you're like, no, it's actually Diane Keaton. And then I saw these spindly calves walking away. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the the move where you're pretending you're reading, but you're peeking over the book. <laughs> I was doing that to Diane Keaton. <laughs> Do you have the hots for Diane Keaton, Justin? No. But I love Annie Hall, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, If it would have been Woody Allen, I'd been doing the same peeking over the it's book Woody move. Woody Allen. It's Woody Allen. Yes. Anytime you see, you know, a celebrity like that, a movie star in a bookstore. That's yeah. true. Yeah, but Diane Keaton, hello. We love you. And you were woefully underused in this movie. She was. She was underused. Though, she had five minutes, I would say, that uh, would be her claim to fame. It was like a montage of crazy things that she lets Rachel McAdams do to her because, frankly, she just wants the attention. And she's great in those physical comedy moments for less than five minutes. And then she goes back to complaining and just kind of being in the background. And you hear this whiny voice and it's Diane Keaton. And you're like, really? World-class actress. What are you doing? There you go. (laughs) There you go. What do you think of Rachel McAdams' bangs? Bangs. She bangs. She bangs. Um, I didn't mind them. Everybody gave her heat about them. That's why I asked. It was like a like recurring in, theme. Like in the movie? Yeah. Why? Your bangs are just ridiculous. How could Jeff Goldblum hire anybody with bangs so ugly? <laughs> I didn't remember that line. Harrison Ford. <laughs> who also called her a cretin, like I said. Um, I don't think I've ever, you know, complained about a woman's bangs before. She bangs. I wrote something down in my little side note. Please tell me. And I have no idea what I meant by it now, and I can't remember. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but hopefully, you can tell me. Probably not. Please Go. try. What does it say? Sexy feet, sexy feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, something happened, and it must have reminded me of. Uh, the brief but unbelievably funny cameo that Tom Hanks did on J- Jimmy Kimmel, where he pretended to be a dad who was interested in toddlers and tiaras, and he was like one of those pageant dads. Yeah. And uh, he yelled at his his daughter in the, the sketch to make sexy feet. He kept saying, sexy feet, sexy feet. So you, You're saying that Rachel McAdams has sexy feet? No. Oh! Jeff Goldblum? I know. I Okay, I remembered. What? The guy who plays uh, Phil Dunphy on Modern Family Uh, was the original anchor on Daybreak, the show that eventually Harrison Ford is uh, asked to co-anchor with Diane Keaton. And he's got this huge foot fetish and porn fetish and everything that's like dodgy and bad about sex fetish. Your his head on the wall on his wall, right? The size of the wall, yeah. Fetish like comes in the meeting and he's like, "Why are you calling me?" And this is interrupting my grannies painting their toes website chat. Oh, Dunphy. Oh, Dunphy. And he uh, took Rachel McAdams aside in the very beginning. He was like, "What are you six and a half, seven? I could take photographs." Yeah, that's why I wrote that. Wow, six feet, sexy feet. Sparkling criticism. You're right, wasn't it? Is that all you wrote? No. I also wrote, 
answering questions in my head at the producers meeting. When uh, Rachel McAdams is first put in the EP chair at the big meeting and everybody kind of fires away requests at her or questions. Well, first of all, that doesn't happen in real life, at least not at that rapid fire speed. And second of all... Yeah, it's more like it's slow. More like it's one person at a time. Okay. But I was mentally answering the questions as they were going on, and I was like, I bet you they're trying to make it seem like she's going to be really overwhelmed, that she can't answer anything, and how could anyone answer these questions? They're happening so fast. Take a number, guys. She got them all, though. Yeah, because it's a movie. <laughs> would you have done that? What would you have done if you were in her position and everyone's like, we need to know, do you want the blue dress or the green dress? Do you want real models or fake models? Do you want a little kid from Asia or do you want an orphan from a local village? I'd put them all in line like the kids from Sound of Music and I'd go down like that. Like, talk, talk, Like an orchestrator talk. of a symphony? Exactly. <laughs> then I'd have my uh, assistant be the stenographer and, and write all this stuff down. Got it. And then I'd go back to my office and, uh, I don't know, sexy feet. <laughs> <laughs> so you like this movie. Uh, do you like it better or worse than our next movie, Broadcast News? Well, I've only seen Morning Glory once. And I've seen Broadcast News several times. So, oh. yeah. so your allegiance is with I've the had water. a lot more time for Broadcast News to ruminate in my soul in <laughs> Morning Glory. Although I, I, no, I like broadcast news a lot more. Okay. Although I did like Morning Glory. The script, you know, is okay. Saved by Rachel McAdams and uh, Grumpy Harrison Ford. Broadcast news is a classic. It's, it's a great movie. I can't believe I didn't see broadcast news sooner. What? I know. You've never said that before. I know. I, I really, I'm shocked and appalled. Shocked and appalled? Both. Okay. Because not only is it something that I would have just enjoyed for, you know, cinema's sake, this is what I studied. This is what I wanted to do. And so it's just it, both shocking and appalling that I didn't see it before this. You had a journalism film blind spot. I, you know what's funny is that I, uh, you know, anchored for the radio in my senior year of college. <laughs> News. What? I know. And there were, I stared for hours at that poster for the movie it was right on my left hand side right above my computer and for a full year and a half I stared at that poster every day and I was like I should probably see this movie it looks like it's probably great every day yeah were you not doing work well you just came in and just stared at the poster for no, an hour <laughs> it, it, it served as inspiration no, she's staring at the poster <laughs> don't no don't. I would I would write I would write my lead and then I would write my second line, and I'd be waiting for the button to pull it all together, and I'd be like, "Button, hit me!" And I'd look at the poster. I bet you were staring at William Hurt's sexy ass, right? Well, his ass wasn't part of the poster; it was his face. His face ass. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> no, he—he he, no, not his ass face. It was just William Hurt's face and Holly Hunter and uh, not Jim Belushi. What's his name? <laughs> Keep forgetting his name. <laughs> not Jim Belushi. <laughs> Yes. The funny guy. Albert Brooks. There you go. <laughs> Keep wanting to say James Brooks, but that's wrong. You've seen a lot of movies with Albert Brooks, I assume. No, I'm sure I have, but you know. No, you haven't. Really? Name a couple. You're you. I can't name the ones you've seen. Just name a couple. Why should I have to name a couple? Because you're the movie geek. No. And I said so. I'm just going to say you haven't. Fine. But on to the movie itself. Okay, what did you think overall? 
Oh, it was just fantastic. What'd you like about it? Everything. I, I, I can't even pinpoint one thing because there was, it was so well written. It was so spot on as far as what, what are you making this shaky head face? <laughs> no, I'm just listening to you. It was so well written. Well, I was going to get on my second point, but you distracted me. Bullet points. I'm trying. It was so well written. Written. It was obviously well acted. I enjoyed uh, the character development, and they each had different facets. None of them were one-dimensional, even when they appeared to be on the surface, a.k.a. William Hurt's character. Uh, some unbelievable one-liners. And I really feel like it was actually pretty accurate as far as portraying the fast-paced world of broadcast journalism of the late 80s and its um, tipping point of the beginning of the demise of caring about real news. It was fantastic! What's not to like? Oh, and there was a love triangle. <laughs> I agree. It was fantastic. And there was a love triangle. I know! Let's just talk about that for a second. Okay. Okay. So, Holly Hunter is at the center of the triangle between she, William Hurt, and Albert Brooks. I remember his name this time. <sighs> I love Holly Hunter. You I'm do? No, I'm number one on the I Love Holly Hunter bandwagon. Are you trying to turn this into a love square? A love square? Maybe. Because I also <laughs> love Albert Brooks and William Hurt. I think they're mighty fine guys. <laughs> I'm not scared to experiment, fellas. <laughs> Your voice is getting a little higher with each... Declaration. I'm also inhaling helium as I talk. <laughs> that explains a lot. This foursome's getting great. <laughs> no, Holly Hunter is in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Raising Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I think that was right before this. It was like Raising Arizona and then this. And I was like, man, she's great. What do you like about her? She's a short... Southern drawled Spitfire. Is she really Southern? I think she is Southern. I thought that accent was fake. Is it? Well, you would know better than me, Mr. Southern Boy. Hmm. I love her. <laughs> she can do no wrong. <laughs> Even if she was, she was great in this movie, man. She was fantastic. Yes. What a little Spitfire. Um, that being said, she had to go toe to toe with a bunch of fellas. Yeah, and you know. I'm not sure how I feel about this next part, what I'm going to say. You just said that they had to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, or she had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the fellas. She didn't, I don't really feel like she had to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I feel like it was a very symbiotic and supportive relationship that she actually had in that newsroom. They all wanted her to do well, and she did do well. And when she did well, now here's my question. Okay, she didn't go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. No, 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 no. I'm segueing into this point. When she... When she did do well and they would congratulate her, I couldn't tell sometimes if it was, you know, just a gen genuine camaraderie or if they were being patronizing because, like, the little woman did good. Let's pat her on the head. What do you think? No, I think they were respectful. I mean, she's she was a smart cookie. She was the smartest person in the room, she would often say. She's right. Are you saying that if she was taller, she would have been uh, respected more? Perhaps. She was Joan Cusack's height in the movie? She Poor Joan Cusack. <laughs> because she, as in Holly Hunter, is so diminutive, she made Joan Cusack look like a tranny. Joan Cusack should have put Holly Hunter on like her shoulders, and then they would have <laughs> made like the ultimate... <laughs> oh, no. The ultimate beast. 
Newscasting beast. (laughs) (laughs) So let's discuss the men's roles for a minute. Uh On one side of this little threesome pendulum... I like it. A threesome pendulum. Wait, was was I thrown off? I thought there was a foursome going on. I thought there was a foursome going on. <laughs> no, you're in the you're in the square. Yeah, we so we have William Hurt, who's like the the himbo. Um, okay, I'll take it. You know, versus failed upwards, pretty much. Um, versus Albert Brooks, the he's like the ducky of this film. He's like the John Cryer from Pretty in Pink. He's like the the best friend who has you know. Who's, who's, who's in love, love with his best friend. Yeah. Holly Hunter. But he is, you know, smart as a whip and really witty and drives And he sings funny. while he reads. I'm singing while I'm reading. I'm multitasking. Look at me go. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's good. And, you know, I, I have to say, I don't think you're being entirely fair in calling William Hurt a himbo. He definitely pissed me off at the end and I was not happy. Mm-hmm. But... He showed that he had um, a side to him that wasn't altogether stupid. I mean, he was quick to admit his faults and his shortcomings and how, and he really strived to overcome them. So, (laughs) (laughs) what? What? Oh, man. I wasn't attacking William Hurt. You don't have to. You called him a himbo. (laughs) That's not attacking him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, No, it's not. If you were Holly Hunter, who would you have ended up with? Or neither? Joan Cusack. <laughs> no, you John like, Cusack? He wasn't uh-huh. in this movie. No, I said Joan. Sounded like he said John. It's like, put me put me on your shoulders, Joan. We can together, we can rule this new station. No? No. Um, I don't know. I always like the ducky characters myself. Right. Yeah. Because do you, Is it because you view them as the underdog or you see shades of yourself in them? Um, uh, maybe a little bit both. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. How do I put this? I agree with you in that there could be like shades of you, Justin Winters, in Albert Brooks, Uh aka the witty side and the the smart side. Okay. But you're also not a total prick. Okay. He was kind of a prick. He could be. William Hurt was right when he called him a prick. He could be a prick, yeah. Oh, come on. Your best friend comes over to... Are you attacking Albert Brooks? <laughs> How dare you call him a total prick? He had lots of shades that you're not talking about when you say, call him a total prick. That deserves a golf clap. He, he loved her. If I have to call back to Sleep the Seattle review, like, he loved her. He cared for her. He was like Bill Pullman in Sleepless in Seattle. No, but then if I'm going to go do a callback to Sleepless in Seattle and our review of that, I could be like, he was stalking her. They worked together. <laughs> he stalked her at work. He called her when he wasn't at work, but she was. Wait a minute. You're here again? Yeah, I work here. So no, do you. In the days that he didn't work there, he called her while she was working and she'd be like, I'm very busy. Well, another thing this movie talks about is how, you know, high pressure jobs, like your journal in your journalism and stuff, it can be lonely at times. <laughs> yes. And uh in this movie Holly Hunter famously has like little crying fits throughout the movie. What was with the sporadic crying? She, dude, she's got it's high pressure job. She's got, you know, 
all this stress that she's this building up and she's got this love triangle, love foursome if I'm, you know, included. <laughs> And she just got to let it out. Sometimes she's in this hotel room all by herself. She's got to cry. No, only one time was she actually by herself. Another time was she was, Emma said, on set, but that's not right. She was on the site of something actually happening in, you know, Latin America. And she's crying. There feasibly could be people around. There was another time where she cried in the office and people walked by her. How dare she cry in Latin America? (laughs) No. What? The point I'm trying to make is that nobody seemed to <laughs> you notice. You're going to cry in Spanish if you're <laughs> No, nobody seemed to notice or care. It was just like, well, there's the girl. She's crying again. We're not going to actually notice or care that she's crying, though. I mean, did you not see that? People walk clear by her. Well, that's probably because they know her deal. That she just needs to cry? That's her process, man. Don't knock her process. Speaking of process, she has a process of spraying perfume in the air and then walking into it. And that's what one of my best friends, Alexis, does. And I've never seen anybody do it other than her. And so when she did that in the movie, I went, what? What? I do that sometimes. You spray perfume in the air and you walk into it? A cologne, but yes. Do you really? Sometimes. No, you don't. Okay. Okay, so I actually, as opposed to writing different notes, I wrote down. I mean, I did, but I really wrote quotes. Oh, my God. No, I will handle them. (laughs) This will okay in the very beginning when as a kid Albert Brooks's character is getting beat up he goes this will heal but you'll never leave South Boston or make more than nineteen thousand dollars a year and one of the bullies is like nineteen thousand dollars it seems like a lot of money <laughs> oh that reminds me I really like the the beginning of this movie with the kids stuff to see how they started oh, I just thought it was a good beginning of the movie I agree um. Big, big note, underlined. Big, big note, underscore. Highlighted. Ooh. The girl from Hunk a Bunch is Holly Hunter. Plays Holly Hunter as a kid. Oh, dear. Oh. I don't know how you knew that. What do you mean? She looked very different. I don't know how you picked that up. It's her southern drawl. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can tell them apart? She's got it in this movie, yeah. You can tell them apart. Anyway, I like the beginning, but I really didn't like the coda that much. Like the end. Yeah. I was like, it should have just ended at like the airport or whatever. But to uh, come back and like, oh, seven years later, he got the job. Oh, she's she gets that job. Alberts has a kid. They're talking under a gazebo. Let's talk about the falling action in Denouement for a second. I, I just didn't think it was needed. I didn't. I agree with you. I think that was an unnecessary ending. That being said, I think that the idea of leaving things at the airport where she's walking away would have been a bad ending too. It would have left it on a really sour note. Like, ding! That kind of a sour note. And that would have been it. I would have been very unhappy. Okay. I would have said, that note's flat. They could have ended it where he's like going through the metal detector without having to take off his shoes. And you're like, oh, did he make it through? It just goes to black. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in 1980, whatever. It took him like... It took you five seconds to go through security back then. Honestly, I feel like they needed to just have an alternate ending. What? What? And what happens in the alternate ending? Is that yeah. what you want to know? Yeah. Um, some sort of final resolution where maybe she leaves the airport, but then we find out that she meets that other guy, like the guy that she references seven years later, and we don't even have to see him. He could be in silhouette, but we know that she meets somebody new. And then it's <laughs> like... in a Frozen Flakes commercial? <laughs> I might be her new boyfriend. (laughs) That's great. 
Remember those Frost and Flake commercials? They used to have the, the silhouette people giving their reviews. Like, you show your face? Come on. Yes. I forgot they existed, though, until just now. Oh, okay. But, yeah. I mean, it could have been like that. That's, and like then, a, that's like the start of a whole new story, though. No, it's not, because then you know, like, she's going to be okay. She found someone. She <laughs> didn't end up single and fat. Yeah. Okay. I was really mad at Albert Brooks when he said that to well, her. Well, he was trying to go for, you know. The jugular? The jugular. He was being a little All bitch. All right, hurry up with your quotes. Okay. Run By the way, time. oh, with the, I know we are. With the kid who said that about, yeah, you'll never make more in the 19th my mom used to say things like that to me all the time as, like, she would arm me with ammunition for bullies. <laughs> Tell them that their face will never change and always be ugly, but you will grow up and be beautiful, and that was it. Well, I went, okay, Mom. That's a great thought. <laughs> <laughs> that did, made much, so much more sense in my head. Thanks, Mom. Holly Hunter looks exactly like my friend Paula. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, what happened? For that visual, you'll have to go to the video <laughs> podcast where we provide pictures of people we know that you don't. Continue. Was William Hurt learning disabled in this movie? Is that why he was having such a hard time with things? What? You can call him learning disabled, but I call him a himbo and you yes. get angry? Yes. Because a himbo is a derogatory term. <laughs> learning disabled implies that he has some sort of disorder that he has tried to overcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he had a learning disorder, but okay, keep I going. I feel like he might have. Uh, it was he, probably because of his dad. His dad was so ashen. What was wrong? I, oh, Justin is patronizing me. I said that when the dad walked in, I was like, why is his dad so ashen? He was. It was like somebody painted over him with, you know, I don't know, cremains. <laughs> Cremains. Yeah, because it wasn't quite as dark as charcoal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did Mal say hell just blow up in his face? Oh my god, yeah! Or or the city of Pompeii. He was there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whoa. Keep going. Um, we talked about the perfume walk. Oh, these are so important that we're getting <laughs> no, to these. No, we got we got two things now. I got them. Quotes, ready? We are coworkers going to a professional enclave, aka the White House press correspondence dinner. I'm going to use that for everything now. Like when my friends and I go out for a drink after work and be like, "No, we are coworkers going to a professional enclave." It's not our professional enclave. It's the restaurateur's professional enclave, but we're still going to one. All right. <laughs> this is so exciting. What's next? You loved that quote, so be quiet. I just don't understand. Okay, go. Oh, this is pretty good. When Albert Brooks goes, he, he's re regarding Albert. Wait, come here. No, I need to act this out. When you go away, I can't do it. I'm Albert Brooks. You be Holly Hunter. We're talking about William Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Justin tried to get really short. It didn't work out. I need a Jufro. No, wait. I'm Joan Cusack, Holly Hunter. <laughs> Listen, news monster, come down. Okay, so that was nice. I'm Albert Brooks. Are you ready? Uh-huh. No, you can't be in love with him. He personifies everything you're against, and I'm in love with you. Bury the lead. End quote. Scene. We're... Hopefully there are some people that are listening to this and have seen the movie. <laughs> They're like, wow, she's discovering this new thing. 
what is it, 20, 24 years later. It was a great line. It was. It's, oh, it was so good. It's a great scene when he professes her his love for her. Because it's so acerbic. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. The whole movie, I was kind of rooting for her to end up with William Hurt because as much as I love the Albert Brooks character, and it wasn't because William Hurt was shiny. It was because I thought there was just more beneath the surface and he was a really genuinely nice guy. If not the sharpest tool in the drawer, fine. Holly Hunter will make up for that in the relationship because she's smart enough for the both of them. Possibly learning disabled. <laughs> he needed some help. He needed Holly Hunter to be his teacher. He needed her to be his Anne Sullivan. I don't know. He was dishonest, though. Uh, well, I didn't know that until the end, and then I was upset, too. But for the most of the movie, I was rooting for them to be together. There was just more chemistry. There was more of a spark. He pulled some, like, uh, some crying action there. That's yeah, funny. he pretended to... Well, not pretended to. Well, I guess in a way. He, he brought on the tears for uh, a story about date rape because... He knew that that would make for a great cutaway shot. Maybe he wasn't that stupid. Oh, well. I know. Anyway. Yes, I, I, I love broadcast news. I love broadcast news. I did not love broadcast news' child that they use at the end to play Albert Brooks' son. No? No. Well, I just didn't like the in Dakota at all. Right. But the, the kid, too. I was like, really? Really? Why didn't you like him? Just, I don't know. The kid seemed forced. Like forced at gunpoint? <laughs> forced into date rape? <laughs> forced into date rape. It was a big theme. We were just talking about it. I'm going to cry now. We didn't talk about the date raping of a child. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the kid. <laughs> he like goes out with like his... Seven-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> Hi. What are you doing? I don't want to play jacks with you. I don't want to. This is no longer a date. I said no jacks. <laughs> Mommy, he forced me to play jacks with him. Wow. I didn't want to. Oh, so what will be your final grades for Broadcast News and Morning Glory? Morning Glory is getting a B plus, uh, whereas Broadcast News is getting a solid A. Yeah, I would actually say that Broadcast News has propelled itself into one of my top 50 favorite movies of all time. Whoa! Possibly top 25. That's why this podcast exists. Not because we're entertaining. Certainly not. Not <laughs> at all. Nope, we talk about <laughs> children date raping each other with games. I don't talk about that. <laughs> You went along for the ride. Don't be stupid. I'm never alone for the child date raping <laughs> ride. No matter what she says, everyone. I'm on the record. Not on that ride. On the I Love Holly Hunter bandwagon, yes. <laughs> on top of Joan Cusack's shoulders as Holly Hunter, yes. No on the child date raping. I didn't mean it in the traditional sense. Now we're talking about traditional child date raping as opposed to non-traditional child date raping. I, I like it to, to you're, a you're, game of jacks. You're digging yourself. You're in a hole. You're in a, date, a child date raping hole just trying to dig yourself out. It's not working. <laughs> a child date raping hole? Wow. 
<laughs> oh, this has been way fun. Sorry, everyone, <laughs> if we've offended any or really more likely all of you. Whatever. I apologize. Whatever. Go walk into some perfume that you spray in the air. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> That's what I like to do. I like to spray it in front of me and then like do a spin into it. Yeah, it looked like you were prepping to do a pirouette. <laughs> I'm not. I can't do that, but I can do a spin into the... I'll teach you how to do a pirouette. It's not that hard. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been fun. Yes. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yes. Probably next week. I promise to say yes, so it's not like you're date raping me into doing the podcast. This is going too far. <laughs> I think I'm going to walk away. I keep trying to dig myself out. I'm walking away now. Oh, okay. Well, goodbye. Justin, he actually left the room. So follow us on Twitter if you want to say nice things, if you want to yell at us, or if you want to tell us what movies to watch. You can find Justin at Justin Winters, and you can find me at Chris Winters, K-R-I-S. Please. Uh, Justin, you want to say goodbye? Bye.